and there's a kidney. Amen. Thank you so much. Please be seated. Power going off. This is familiar territory. <laughs> I love it. If there's something happening, then nothing happened. <laughs> had, I remember the first time I went to one church in uh, Taiwan, and it's uh, in a high-tech church. And it was a sad day for the high-tech church because nothing worked. <laughs> it just kept, I saw these people running around, scurrying around. The lights would go on and go off, on, off, on, off. And, uh, but we finished the meeting. A lot of great things happened. It's great to be with you. And uh, hey, Roman, Roman, good to see you. Michelle, I saw you. Wonderful to connect with you again. They're from Hastings in, uh, in New Zealand, living in New Zealand, and now up in Perth. Having a great life in Perth, no doubt. <laughs> hey, so wonderful to be with you. We've been made so welcome, and we've had a, a tremendous time. And uh, each message I've been doing is a little different, so this one's quite different. And uh, I want to talk on deliverance this time around. And so we did encourage anyone who had a few demons on them to come back to the service and bring their friends with them. And uh, so we have a chance to, to, uh, to help you. And uh, so I want to share and, and just open this area up for you so it'll be really easy to understand. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. We thank you today. You love people. You're concerned about people. You want our life to be a better life. You want us to be better people. So we're asking, Lord, you would come and help us today. We pray, Lord, for your power to flow in the meeting, to come upon people as we minister and pray and bring mighty deliverance in Jesus' name. Everyone said, "Amen." Well, we have a look in in, uh, in uh, sorry Luke, Luke chapter four, Luke chapter four, and uh, we're going to look Jesus uh, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and uh, Jesus said this. He said, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me," and he begins to define his ministry. I love this verse; one of my favorites. God anoints you for a reason. He always anoints you with a purpose in mind. So the anointing is the presence, the person of the Holy Spirit, empowering you, working with you to get something done. And so Jesus said, I am anointed. The Spirit of God is upon me. He's anointed me. And then he begins to itemize the scope of the work that he was called to do. First, he said, to proclaim the gospel or preach the gospel to the poor. In other words, first on God's agenda is to bring us into a place of being reconciled to him, to deal with sin, to deal with the things in our heart that separate us from him to get us connected again, born again, with the Spirit of God on the inside. But it doesn't stop there. He said, He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And so people through life experiences in relationships and difficulties that happen, divorces or abuse or things like that, become hurt or damaged emotionally, damaged in the soul, damaged in the heart. In many ways, the heart can be damaged. So Jesus made it very clear that God is not just interested in sin and getting us right in relationship with Him. God wants us to be intimate with Him. God wants us to enjoy relationships. And if you've been hurt in life, your heart has been broken, then there are walls that are built to defend yourself that make intimacy impossible. And so Jesus came to heal broken-hearted people. And then He goes on to say He came to proclaim deliverance to the captives. In other words, He's saying from a spiritual point of view, Many people live their life in a bondage where they're not free. They are a captive. They're imprisoned to a habit, imprisoned to ways of thinking, imprisoned to emotions, imprisoned to spiritual forces that hold them in bondage. He said, I've come to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives. In other words, he said, part of my ministry is to set people free from evil spirits and the bondages that they bring upon people. This is a very real and powerful part of Jesus' ministry. We'll come back to it in a moment. Then he said he sent me to proclaim or to bring the, the recovering of sight to the blind. And so you notice as you look at this verse, verse it's, there's a progression. Connect people back to God. Help them deal with the issues of the heart because it's out of the heart flows your life. Help them connect in intimacy in relationship again, which is God's design. Set them free of evil spirits. Open their eyes to give them vision. So they begin to see what we're called to be, what we're called to do. Because demon spirits put us in a prison house of despair where you can't become all God called you to be. And he says to set at liberty them who are oppressed. In other words, to lift the limitations, the limitations of things that people have spoken over our life. 
words that people have spoken, the limitations of wrong beliefs in the heart that I can't. God wants to lift all of those things off our life so that we can then fulfill our destiny. Setting at liberty those who are oppressed to declare the acceptable year of the Lord, which means to announce to God's people that everything the devil took away is now restored and available for you to come and repossess. It's a brilliant passage. Absolutely brilliant. But we're going to just pick one part of it. They are all interconnected. Nothing is separate from the other. It's part of the journey of God discipling us to come into our destiny. Now we're going to pick one part of it. We're going to part this part here which says, setting at liberty the captives. We're going to talk about the area of deliverance. And this is an area that people, many people don't want to talk about. When I talk about it, some look weird, some look angry, and some react. And uh, that's just part of the course. That's because they've got demons, of course. Well, it's like, you know, people catch a head cold, they catch a demon. It's as simple as that, you know. That's all it is. And uh, we can pick up bugs. You get a cut, you can get it infected, because germs got in it, it makes it worse. You have a problem in your life, created by sin or trauma, evil spirits get in it, they make it worse. They infect it and make it difficult for you to recover. That's what this is about. It's not some weird way out thing. God wants us to understand that we're designed to live in the realm of the spirit and in the natural realm. That we are uniquely designed. And we're designed in such a way that we have senses in our physical body that enables interaction with the physical world, but we also have a spiritual body, spiritual man. And the spirit man is able to connect with and interact with the spirit world. And the key point or the gateway is your soul. So whatever controls your soul controls what accesses or happens in your life. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart or your inner man, for out of that flows the issues of your life, or out of your heart are the borders established of the life you're going to live. Out of your heart beliefs, your limitations will be set. Out of your heart beliefs, your relationships will be defined. What you believe about you will define how you live your life. It's not what's outside you, it's what's inside you. So you can understand then from a military and strategic point of view, if, if someone or something can get control of your soul or control of that part of you where you make decisions, they then control what happens in your life. And so uh, deliverance is about identifying and setting people free from the bondages that the devil has created in people's lives by deception and confronting the wicked spirits that come in to hold people captive and stop them living the life that God wants them to live. And this is a very, very real thing. Think about this. What has God designed you to live like? He's designed you to live connected to Him. And out of your connection to Him, spirit to spirit, that there would be a flow of His life through you. So you're designed, you're made to access the realm of heaven, to access the realm of earth, and to bring heaven into the earth. You're designed to bring the life of God to people. That's God's design. And so to get saved is not about getting your sins forgiven and getting to heaven. To get saved is to be restored back to God's design to function in life like God intended. See, Jesus didn't talk about going to heaven. He talked about heaven coming to earth. He talked about you having become reconnected through repentance to God, being able to bring God's life to people in every sphere of society. So the design of God is that the life of the Holy Spirit would find expression through you and His nature would express through you. Love, joy, peace, uh, patience, long-suffering, that the life of God would flow like a river out of us. You, you remember in John 7:38, he says, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit who would be given to us. So you're designed to be a container for God, to be a doorway to heaven, a gateway through which the life of God can flow. So very clearly, if you think from a strategic point of view, the devil is not powerful enough to hurt God in any kind of way. If you can't access someone or hurt them or do anything to them, and the best way you can get access is if you hurt someone they love. And so demons seek to frustrate God's plan in our life. 
One, by stopping us connecting to God, stopping us believing in Jesus Christ, clouding our mind with doubts. And secondly, if they can gain access to your life to destroy or bring into bondage your soul and your body so that you can't function like God intended or you lose hope you could ever be what God wanted. So that's what this holy of deliverance is about. When you look at Jesus' ministry, you find everywhere he went, he met people and they needed healing, they needed deliverance. Jesus trained his disciples in these areas of ministry. This is something he mandated the church. The church is mandated to preach the gospel of the kingdom, pray for the sick, and to cast out evil spirits. It's our mandate. If we refuse that mandate, or diminish it, or think it's not relevant, then a whole generation passes that can't get free because the church won't be what God intended. Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out spirits. So he, he made it a part of the Great Commission that we engage spiritually. Does that make sense to you? And now, in a Western culture, of course, it's common in the West to just rationalize or scientifically reason everything. And this is the limitation of the science process. I, I've, I've trained with a science background. I, I taught, and uh, I've um, trained in physics and in maths, and I'm a master's degree in physics. Got all that kind of training, but it's absolutely uh, useless for understanding the things of the Spirit that come by revelation. But it's very useful for working with the Holy Spirit. So there are just limitations to trying to rationalize life. There are spiritual forces at work. Now you go to other cultures, and they're very aware of spiritual forces at work. In fact, they live in fear of them, and in preaching the gospel, you need to be able to bring forth the power of God to them. Let me give you a couple of examples. I was in, uh, in Indonesia, and uh, we were preaching, and there were about 2,000 people in the meeting, about 1,000 come up on the altar call. Uh, but in that meeting, there were three sorcerers. These are people who reach into the realm of the occult, and through making sacrifices to demons, they then uh, open the way for spirits to come into their life. And they understand that there's structures of power in the spirit world. So they come into the meeting to try and get the power off them. And uh, to tell the truth, I wish I'd seen what happened, but I didn't see it. It was too quick. So in the middle of the meeting when I'm preaching, they stood up to hurl their curses and fire their demons at me in the middle of the meeting to try and disrupt the meeting and pull the power of the spirit, whatever. That's the way they were thinking. But they want the power that I've got to come onto them. And I guess it did really. <laughs> because while I looked that way, they stood up, and they stood up, and then the power of God did come on them, boom, down on the ground like that. Now, it happened so quick that when I looked this way and then that way, they were gone. They were already out of sight on the floor. And they were, uh, they could not get up. The power of God was so strong on them. They crawled out of the place. My son went around and grabbed one of them, able to cast the spirit out of him, and that, that guy came up and got saved. And he recognized the power in this place is greater than what he worked with. They understand that dimension. But for ordinary people who have no understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the kingdom, they need to know that God's power is greater. So all around that group, they saw and knew who these people were. They watched when they stood up. And when they saw what got to them, they ran up to the front and got saved. We had heaps of people saved that day. So this is the reality of the spirit world. And it's everywhere I go. It's everywhere. It doesn't matter what place you go. All kinds of unusual things happen when God has given room to access people's life and to deal with the hidden things of darkness. We're living today in a, in a culture which is becoming increasingly hungry for the supernatural and it's being spread through the media, through television programs, through the movies. You've got a young generation arising who are starting to engage in the occult without even realizing it. I was in a meeting in, uh, in Singapore and uh, I had a word of knowledge that was a young man addicted to playing video games. And not just any video game, it was a game called The World of Warcraft. And uh, young people will know it, old people say like this. And anyway, it is a fantasy game where they go use the game to go and they play and take the role on of a sorcerer and begin to compete. And, and basically the game is to destroy the opposition, take their power and grow in power. 
And this man was addicted to playing it. Played it, you know, 12 hours at a time or something like that, even longer. And he came up and, and I asked him about what was going on in his life and uh, he told me. And I said, well, uh, here you are at Bible school. You love Jesus. You want him to serve Jesus. I said, but privately in your quiet time, you're practicing sorcery. And he said, how does that happen? I said, well, Jesus said, if you look on a woman and lust after her in your heart, you have already committed adultery. So what he's saying is that when your imagination is activated with desire, then already in the spiritual realm, the reality of adultery has taken place. All that needs now is for this to manifest in the physical world. So I said, in your imagination, by this repetitive playing this game, you have engaged with spiritual sorcery, you've actually opened your life to these things. He was quite shocked. And I said, I'll show you. And I said, I want you just to pray a simple prayer to acknowledge Christ as your Lord, and then to renounce the game, and to renounce the character of the sorcerer that you play. So he, he started to speak and follow me in the prayer, and then he found it harder and harder to speak as I got him, started to walk him through the prayer, confessing Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord, I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Uh, by the time we got to there, like this. And then, as, he, as I got him to renounce the name of the game and the character, his whole face twisted, took on another character. He looked different. And this, fortunately, this time they had a television camera on, it was up on the screen, and all these hundreds of students looked and said, oh, oh, oh look at that. And then he screamed, fell on the ground, and was set free. And then we had an altar call, and we had 200 students come up who got massively delivered from bondage to something that had come in their life through the internet to them. This is a very real realm. Now, they're people who love the Lord, serving the Lord, and yet they had been tricked and deceived into opening their life into a very real spiritual world. Now, of course, there's so many different ways this happens. Now, what I'm trying to do is get you aware of the reality of this. And the need for us to be full of the Holy Ghost and just alert to this. We're not to be afraid of it. Jesus said, you can tread on serpents and scorpions. I give you power over them, authority over them. You tread them underfoot and nothing shall hurt you. But it's church has got to arise and, and begin to engage this area. But to do that, perhaps some need to become aware, perhaps your life is held in the grip of something you can't get free of. So let's have a look and continue in, in, in Luke chapter 4. And uh, we'll pick it up at verse 32. And the, and the people were astonished at Jesus' teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, Leave us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? I love it when that happens. I love it when that happens. It happens quite a bit in Asia. I was in one meeting there uh, just not so long ago, and there's about 2,000 students there, and, we're, we're, and, and there's a great atmosphere. And I start talking about the Holy Spirit, and suddenly, right up the back, the door bursts open. <laughs> I know when the door bursts open, there's always something about to happen. Sure enough, this Chinese woman come in, she's the cleaner. She's got a broom. And, and she, <laughs> she holds the broom up. Said, why you come here? Why you do this to me? Why you come here? Why you do this to me? And she's furious, but she's manifesting a spirit. And uh, and so I started to move towards her, and then I saw other people start to go funny on me. And I thought, I oh, will just we'll leave it for the moment. I'll pray for it at the end of the meeting. And she later on got delivered. But under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, this thing surfaced, and and she got set free. So this demon cried out with a loud voice, What are we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet, come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him on the ground, in their midst it came out and didn't hurt him. And they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commands the demons, and they come out. And they went out. Okay, I want to just go through the story. The first thing to see is where this takes place. It takes place in a synagogue, which is a place only believers met. Several times when Jesus does deliverance, it's in a place where only believers can come. And very clearly, the Holy Spirit's wanting to draw our attention to the fact that believers can be troubled by evil spirits. The word possessed is not the right word to use. It's a very bad translation. 
the, the correct word in the Bible is this, daimonadzai, have a demon. Like, I have a sore toe. I have a stomach bug. I have the flu. I have a head cold. And I have a demon. So it's in that same kind of language. That just takes away all the mystery of it. Everyone knows you can get a tummy bug. How many know that? And everybody knows you can get a head cold. Even though you're a Christian. Why is it people would find so hard that you could have a demon? You see, people don't think it could be there. And here's why. Because we don't understand the spirit world. We don't understand the devil does not work openly. He works by deception. In other words, he's not going to announce he's coming. Jesus said he comes at the door, the window. He comes to steal and destroy. So in, in the kingdom of God, it is a kingdom of light. You see what you're engaging. You're getting involved with Jesus Christ and you're inviting the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, into your life and he comes by invitation only. The kingdom of the devil is a kingdom of darkness and deception and he finds a way into your life. You don't know that it's happened necessarily and it's done by stealth and by deception. And the purpose is to try and find ways to increasingly bring your life into bondage and stop and hinder you in walking with God. And look at how that might happen shortly. So here's this man in the synagogue. So believers, a person who loves Christ, is seeking their best to follow Christ, can have a part of their life held in bondage. Not all of their life, just a part of their life. It may be a part of fear, a driving fear. It may be an anxiety. It may be there's a spirit of oppression or depression on their life. And so they're wrestling with depression. There may be bitterness deep in their heart. There may be that there's bondages of all kinds there. But usually people don't talk about it. And we need to be able to talk about it. We need to bring it to the light to the one who came to heal us and set us free. So this particular man says in the, in the, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. So an unclean demon, all demons are unclean. They're all unclean evil spirit beings. So a demon is a spirit being. Because it's a spirit being, it doesn't die. You are a spirit being living in a body. For you, death doesn't mean that you disappear. It means your spirit and soul leave your body. A demon is a spirit that has no body and wants one to live in. And so it has a, uh, a spiritual nature. It has a mind and a memory and it can think and it can plan and it can strategize and they talk together and work together. It's like a hidden, unseen army and they seek to find a doorway into people's lives. And when they find a doorway into life, they will try to work to increase the bondage and make your life miserable. Jesus said they come to steal, to take from you the things God has intended for you, to, uh, to kill, to destroy relationships, and every kind of thing that's of value. So let's have a look at what Jesus said. He said here, it says here, the Bible says, the demon cried out with a loud voice. Now what's happened is this. This man has a problem in his life. The problem is one he's probably well aware of. And it's most likely because it says that it's an unclean spirit that he had a problem with sexual sin. He had a problem with lust. Now, he's a believer who's coming to worship God. He's a believer who's coming to hear the word of God because his heart is oriented towards God. But a part of his life is in severe torment and trouble. He's got a problem with sexual sin that he cannot get over. He's continually having sexual thoughts, sexual longings and lusts and desires. He's continually failing in sexual sin and asking God to forgive him and going through a cycle of defeat where he can't get free. And what he doesn't realize is that driving it is a spirit of lust, an unclean spirit. It's energizing the problem. The problem is his, but the force that's driving it is a demonic spirit. That's why it's so difficult to get through, difficult to get the victory. He might try to discipline himself, but how can you discipline your flesh to overcome a spirit? You need the power of the Spirit of God. That's why God puts his spirit in us to empower us so we can get the victory. But we've got to confront the things the right way. So this man has got a problem in his life. And we don't know where or how it started. All we know is a spirit or, or several spirits have entered his life. The Bible hints that there could be more than one, because notice what the demon says, leave us alone. Leave us alone. What have we to do with you? 
You notice there that the evil spirits recognize who Jesus is. The crowd didn't recognize him. They could only see the outward person. But the demons could see the true person. From the realm of the spirit world, they could recognize he's the anointed son of God. And they were terrified of him. Why are they terrified of him? Two reasons. One, they know his, his supreme power and authority. And two, they know that they will be put by him into a prison of fire and they will suffer for eternity. So, of course, they said, have you come here to destroy us? Their first thing was, have you come to do this to us? They know this is about to happen. Read about, of course, in the book of Revelation when Jesus actually does it. The angel chains them in hell for a thousand years. So the demons are absolutely terrified of them. Wherever you go, spirits are terrified of Jesus. And they're not only terrified of Jesus, they're terrified of those who represent him. They are terrified of a believer who knows who they are and knows the authority they have. They are in absolute terror of them. I was in a meeting in uh, Taiwan, and I had my youngest daughter with me take them away on missions trips, and they have a chance to practice prophesying on people and ministering to people and casting out demons. And, and uh, she, she was doing that when she was about nine, and uh, loving it. And anyway, we're in this meeting, and just there's a great anointing, there's laughter, and there's, God's warming it all up, ready for a massive move to set people free. And we had several hundred people there, and then I started to pray, move in deliverance, and all kinds of stuff was happening all around the meeting. And in the middle of it, I, I hadn't noticed that she wasn't engaging in this meeting. She was actually still worshiping the Lord, had it back to us all. And she said, uh, she told me afterwards, she said, I, I asked the Lord to show me what's happening in the meeting. And he said, well, you have to open your eyes. He said, no, 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 well, I'm crying. I've got makeup running. I don't want to open my eyes and look at people. And he said, no, no, you'll have to turn around and look at the people and open your eyes. And so she did. And when she opened her eyes, God gave her an open vision. An open vision means that she could see the physical world and see superimposed on it the spirit world. And she said, I couldn't stay like that for long because... The shock on me was too much. But she said, this is what I saw. And she said, I saw all over the meeting people who were gripped by spirits. And said, there were some things in common. The demons were gripping their eyes so they couldn't see, or their ears so they couldn't hear, or their mouth so they couldn't speak, or parts of their body. So that's the first thing she saw. second thing she saw was all of them were terrified. He said, I looked, and they were in absolute terror, and they were all looking at one person, and that person was Jesus Christ, standing there, shining brilliantly. They were, they were looking at him and terrified. He said, there was a third thing she said I noticed, and that was that they were all trying desperately to hold on to people and not be cast out of them. And third thing she said was, when the word of God came, he said, I saw like a wave of the Spirit, like water just come, and just swept them away, and they were just taken off people's lives. And she couldn't stay in the spirit any longer because it was quite difficult for a body to handle being in the two dimensions at once. And uh, so I thought that was a brilliant, brilliant to hear all that, isn't it? So this man here has got some spirits. Now what's happened, he's got such a problem in his life, and when he comes to church this day, there's an anointing present, and the spirits start to rise up, and manifest their presence. That means what was hidden started to become apparent. And Jesus said that's what he'd come to do, to destroy the works of the devil. So this thing came up and came out of the open and started yelling. Started yelling out very loudly and acknowledging Jesus was. Now, we don't know how the thing got in. But we do have insights from other parts of Scripture how spirits gain access to people's life. There's two primary ways, or two or three primary ways. One is because they have a legal ground or right to do so. You walk with God and obey the laws of God, you walk in his protection. You break the law of God, you're a transgressor, and demons have a legal right to access your life. It's really quite that simple. Do the crime, and you do the time. So you break the laws of God, it opens the doorway for spirits to come in. That's one way they come in. The other way they come in is through traumatic experiences and finally through our reactions to people and to life's experiences, which create further legal ground. Let's just explain or give you some of the things. There could be a doorway. This man could have been born with the thing. 
figure of evidence seems very clear. Well, if you were to go to a doctor, the doctor would ask your family medical history. And the reason they ask it is because they're aware that through the family line, problems emerge. And they, they well know, you go to the insurance company, you get a policy for your life, they'll ask about your family medical history, and they'll be looking for problems in your family background. And if they are repeated anywhere, they'll know that you're a greater risk. In other words, from a natural point of view, uh, doctors and insurance agents are aware that things travel down family lines. And this is reasonable because God's connected us by DNA and spiritually one generation to another. God sees the generations connected and as one line. So it could have come in through the generational uh, process. Let me give you an example of that. I was praying for a lady uh, in a city in New Zealand. And she came up and she, I said, what's your difficulty? What is your problem? What did you need? She said, I am tormented by unclean pictures and images, and it just, it just distresses me and condemns me. And she said, I'll be trying to worship God, and I have this issue come up. And she said, it's a real problem for me. And I said, well, how long have you had this? She said, most of my life. I said, oh, that's unusual. Tell me more about it. And I said, have you ever been involved in sexual relationships or sexual sin, or have you ever been involved with any kind of abusive situation at all? She said, not at all. She said, I've grown up as a Christian. I'm a Christian worker. I've kept myself all these years. That's why I cannot understand why I've got such a serious problem I can't get rid of. I said, well, can you tell me a little about your history? Because if you've had it all of your life and you haven't sinned in any way you're aware of in this area, then it's probably come down your family line. It's probably a generational spirit, a familial spirit coming in the family line. You've been born with the sin. So let's have a look at where you've come from. So we just talked with her a little bit. And this is what it turns out. It turns out that her, uh, her grandparents had been missionaries in China in the 30s. And they had taken their two children, which was a girl and a boy, and sent them to another province, and they sent them to school there, and it's in the period when the Japanese invaded China and took over that province. And this girl was severely abused by Japanese soldiers for quite some time before she and her brother were released. And then she grew up, married, and had the daughter, who's the woman I'm talking with. And so... Uh, the marriage broke up because of the trauma that she'd gone through. She was unable to hold a relationship together. And she, she anyway, the daughter grew up, and this is the girl that's having this trouble. And I said, well, it looks to me as though the abuse that took place has caused spirits to enter the family line. And there would be bitterness there, there would be hatred there, and they've come down into you. So here's what you could do. You could acknowledge as a representative of the family this problem, bring it to the cross, ask the Lord to just release forgiveness to the Japanese soldiers for what they did. So she did that, and we prayed, and immediately she was delivered from this tormenting spirit. I can share many stories like that of things which have come into family lines and have just always been there. They're there until someone steps up and says, Jesus made room on the cross for my freedom. This stops with me and steps up and applies the work of the cross to break that generational hold. Jesus said, it says of Jesus in Galatians 3.13, He become a curse for us, because cursed is everyone hanging on a tree, that the blessing of God may come us, we receive the promise of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. But cursings like that bring demonic spirits, blessings bring the power of the Holy Spirit, and the, the step from one to the other is to just bring the hidden issue to the cross. So it's possible this was a generational spirit. It's possible he sinned. Maybe he was involved in a sexual relationship. Maybe he was involved in a prostitute. Now, we, we don't know. But what I do know is if you're involved in a sexual relationship with someone, the Bible says the two become one. That means from a legal spiritual point of view, you've become one with the person you're joined to, and any demon that had right to them has right to you because you are one. Think about that. I remember being in a, uh, invited to a house, and uh, <laughs> they said, oh, I've got a haunted house, could you please come? I said, I'd love to come. And uh, so I went to the haunted house, and the haunted house turned out to be just a little flat. It was just a little apartment, and there was a woman and her 
and her living boyfriend there, and, and uh, there was her daughter and her boyfriend there. And so they're all sitting, looking at me on the edge of the seat. Help us, help us, our cousin's haunted. I said, whoa, haunted, Okay, let's talk. And uh, as we're talking, you can hear noises in the other end of the house. Oh, did you hear that? Did you hear that? I said, I heard it. Isn't it interesting? And, uh, and you could hear something crashing around up the other end of the house. And uh, I said, it's okay, it'll go soon. I need to know how it came here. So I said to the, the woman, I said, when did this start? When did this problem start? And a good question to ask if you have a, an issue in your life that you can't get a victory over is, what is the issue? How does it affect me? When did it start? Try and find back where this thing started. So she said, well, it's been about two weeks. I said, well, what happened about two weeks ago? She said, well, my daughter moved in with me. That interesting. So before that, there's nothing. Now there's something, and the daughter moved in with her boyfriend. Okay, let's talk to them then. So I talked to them. I said, Did you have a problem like this in your flat? Yes, we did. Really? That's interesting. Okay, then then it's come with one of you. You need to find out which one it is. It's just sort of a process of elimination. And uh, I said, Were either you involved in the occult? And uh, the occult is where people reach out into the spirit world seances and looking for information that's called divination, fortune telling anything that's involved in fortune telling connects you with evil spirits uh, or was it sorcery that's magic, uh, that kind of stuff, uh, was anyone involved in that kind of thing, and both of them said no, I said well nevertheless one of you has brought the spirit in so let me ask you this question, did any one of you have a sexual relationship with a guy involved in the offer the girl said yes I did he said did it end badly, she said yes it did he said, did he curse you? Yes, he did. He said, you're the one who's carrying the demon. And it's not just a normal one that would stay associated with you. This is an occult one, and it's affecting everyone. So I said, you need to repent. If you repent of your sin, come to Jesus Christ, and call upon the Lord, you will be saved. And so they were all glad to call upon the name of the Lord. They were all glad to be saved. And then I said, then we'll pray. And of course, the moment we prayed, then the house just cleared. There was no problem in the house, and the whole situation changed. So generational access is one way, doors of access. Another way is through sexual sin or, or whatever. He could have been sexually abused. That would open the way for tormenting spirits to come in. Sexual abuse violates people, and the trauma of it opens the way for spirits to come in. It could have been done that way. Or it could have been just some of the things we've said. So we don't know. What we do know is it was a point when the thing came in his life, and now he's in torment. So the key thing is then, the spirits get into your life. Number one, how do they get in? Number two, what do they do? Number three, how would you recognize? Number four, how do you get rid of them? That's the big one. How do you get rid of them? So number one, how do they get in? A number of causes. They can come generationally. They can come because we sin, because we're involved in the occult. They could come because of bitterness and hate and unresolved emotions in the heart, sinful reactions. Couldn't come because of sexual sin. It could come because of trauma. Uh, traumatic experiences can open the door for spirits to come in. And usually it brings in spirits of infirmity that leave people sick or weak. So that's another way that they can come in. They can come in through abortions. There's no, list, no end to the list of how they can come in. But generally they come in because a legal right was opened by breaking the law of God. Or a traumatic situation that happened that lowered the body's defense system and the spirit came in. And so that's the primary way. So no wonder Jesus said, the Spirit of God is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor, reconnect people to God, heal the brokenhearted, and then clear out the demons that got into their life. Very, very simple message that he brought. This is the heart of what he wanted to do, restore people so people can have a better life. So if you understand, they come in. When the demon comes in, then how would it affect a person? It affects people in different ways depending on what sort it is. So there are some spirits which attach to the body and create sickness. For example, I had one young man turn up in an altar call on a word of knowledge, he had a shoulder pain. And when I inquired, the Lord showed me that the root of this was bitterness against his father. I asked him, oh, you're bitter against your father, you have an attitude, you love your dad, or where are you at with your dad? He said, I love him. But when we inquired further, sure enough, he had deep, bitter roots against his father. And when he repented of those and forgave his father, immediately he was delivered of the spirit of infirmity, 
And it turns out it wasn't just his shoulder, it was his whole body that came right to his body and his back was stiffening and he was going to become paralyzed by the time he was 40. But he was totally free. So clearly through bitterness, unforgiveness. Jesus even said when you harbor unforgiveness, you open the door to tormentors to come in. That's why many people are depressed, why they're sick, why they have problems, is because of deep roots of unforgiveness in the heart. We just can't, we're not designed to live that way. We're designed to live in grace, to live in the kingdom life, being kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving people. So they can come in through these ways. When, when spirits come in, they affect the body, they can affect the mind with obsessive thoughts, they can affect the emotions with obsessive uh, uh, grip of emotions, they can hold people in uh, powerful lusts, they usually try to drive people, destroy people, hinder their walk with God, condemn them, and stop them overall fulfilling what God called them to do. So how would you recognize the spirit was there? Well, there's two ways you can discover it. One is, it's evident because there's a problem you can't overcome, there must be a root to it, something that's driving it. Number two, the Holy Ghost reveals it. Usually it's just you discover it by its fruit, or you discover it because of the Holy Spirit. And notice here, in this particular situation, it just flushed right up. So how do you get free? How do you get free? Let me give you just a, we'll come back to this passage in a moment. I want you to have a look at me just quickly in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I want to read just a few verses here. Verse 24. Now the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, and patient. In humility, correcting or instructing those who are opposing themselves, and God will perhaps give them repentance to acknowledge the truth that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will. So it's describing here a person who has a bondage in their life. And it's saying that they're caught in a trap. If a person's caught in a trap, they can't get free. They're caught in some kind of trap. And it says the devil has access in and out of their life to pressure them and torment them. So they may have a gripping problem of bitterness, a gripping problem of anger, a gripping problem of violence, a problem of addiction. It could be any kind of manner of problems. And the devil's got a way in and out of their life to be able to afflict them. They are held captive. That means a prisoner of war. And so the Bible tells of the strategy for the person to get free. Firstly, it's a truth encounter, then it's a power encounter. It says, notice it says, the servant of the Lord must be gentle and not argumentative or try and manipulate people, but just instruct people on how to get free. And so you instruct them. And he says, and perhaps God will give them repentance to acknowledge the truth. So the first step to getting free is to come to face the reality of your situation, acknowledge it, and repent of where this has been allowed to rule your life. So the steps out of sin are very, very simple out of demonic bondage. Is number one, to recognize and acknowledge the problem. I have a problem. Number two, and to stop blaming. You've got to take responsibility. It's my problem. Don't blame it on the demon. It's your demon. You've got to own up. This is your life and step up and do what God requires to be right to free. Jesus has died on the cross for people to be saved, healed, delivered, but our part is to repent and believe the gospel. So there's a part we play to release heaven into the earth. And so here it is. Number one is to uh, to recognize and take responsibility for your life. You've got to stop blaming others. Oh, well, it was this, it was that, it was someone, my mother, my father, my, 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 my. No, no, stop blaming. That may have been a gateway things came through, but it's your life and your issue. Own it and you start to get empowered. The first step to empowerment is personal responsibility. The second is repentance. Whatever part I play in breaking the laws of God and allowing sin into my life, I need to ask God to forgive me. If I cover my sin, Proverbs 28 tells us, if I cover it, I won't prosper. If I confess and forsake, I'll find mercy. So if I want to be free, I must find mercy. I find it by confessing and forsaking. This is the thing that people have trouble doing. It's just to acknowledge, I've sinned. What I did was wrong. I've done wrong. This is why I'm in this mess. God, forgive me. And he will not only forgive, he'll clean Third thing is, you need to release forgiveness. Unforgiveness is a major stronghold for holding demons and people. I prayed to someone this week 
And it was very difficult to get them free until I got a word that you need to forgive your father. The person forgave your father immediately. There was a flow of the spirit and the person got unlocked. Forgiveness is crucial. Jesus said when you stand praying, uh, in Mark 11:25, 25, uh, he says, forgive so that you may forgive. For if you won't forgive, then your heavenly father won't forgive you. I need all the forgiveness I can get. Don't you? Okay. So that means I, you and I can't afford to walk in unforgiveness. It grieves the Holy Spirit and gives demons legal rights for access. When they, when they get a hold of a person with unforgiveness, they just keep tormenting your mind, reminding you, you just keep getting furious. Anything that will remind you back of where you got hurt just keeps coming up, 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 up. So why don't you get rid of it? Just forgive and release. Well, it's not fair, you know, they don't deserve it. No, 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 it's not about whether they deserve it. It's actually how you step forward and align with heaven to walk free. You need to be aligned with God. Well, it's still not fair. I mean, it's just not fair. Listen, of course it's not fair. It's not about it. It's about breaking free is what you want him to do. Not stay in your injustice. Bring the injustice to the cross. Let God sort it out. But you decide, I'm going to walk in blessing and freedom and grace. And sometimes we need to speak words that cancel agreements we've made. A lot of young people these days uh, make covenants or agreements with spirits or let's say enter into sexual relations. We need to break and renounce the connection that we've joined them to someone else so they can arise and believe God to be set free. God has made a way for us to be set free. The seven law must not strive, but be gentle in meekness instructing all men that they may acknowledge the truth, repent, and then, notice this, recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Now that word to recover yourself is literally to become sober again. Imagine a person who's drunk. They're under the influence of what? Alcohol. Under the influence of a spirit. And it says you can recover yourself from the influence of a demonic spirit by the process of repentance uh, a recognizing, taking repentance and acknowledging the truth and pressing into God to take your freedom. It's so straightforward. So Jesus confronted the spirit and its power was broken and the man was set free. Did that mean he had no more troubles at all? Not at all. I believe that while you live in this body, you will have to wrestle to manage uh, a sexual desire that God has put in you, which is quite normal. That you're probably only safe about 10 minutes after you're dead. For some, maybe half an hour. A bit longer. <laughs> Rest of the time, you have to manage an appetite that God gave you. It's like saying, God, take away my hunger for food. It's nonsense. You need to eat. Giving you the hunger, giving you an appetite, you've got to manage the appetite. And sexual appetite is something God gave you to enable you to establish intimacy. It's a normal thing that God gave you. You can ask God to put it to sleep. But in the end, you've got to make sure it stays there. Eh? You've got to manage your thoughts and where you focus your attention. So, so even if a person is delivered, you still have to walk with God and be filled with the Spirit and stay walking aligned with heaven. You've got to manage your life. So deliverance isn't an answer for every problem. Sometimes I find people say, well, I just get delivered. I'll be free. I've got a demon. I've got a sick and they blame everything on that. No, 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 no. You've just picked up a bug, but there was an infection. So let's look at the infection, get that sorted out, and tell the bug to go, and you're gone. You're free. You can start again. But just guard your life. So you don't keep getting wounds that create infections. It's your responsibility to build the kind of life where demons are terrified of you, and you've got authority to minister to others. It's not a hard life. It's a great life. Like a walking in the Spirit, walking with God, walking in forgiveness. Something comes, release it. Come on, release it. Don't go back there. Tormented in your mind and head and emotions and depressed. You don't stay that way. You don't have to. You can choose a different way. We say amen? Let's just close our eyes right now. Jesus has done the work for us. Oh my. Has he done the work for us? Hallelujah. You know, on the cross it says, he took away the list of ordinance that was against us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross, and in doing so disarmed spiritual powers and made way for us to be set free. He triumphed over them in his work on the cross. Listen, in this last few moments, I'd ask two questions of you. Number one, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? If you have not come to Christ yet, what a great day to become a believer, a follower of Jesus, 
You're living your life separate from God. All of that can change with one decision to acknowledge Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died on the cross for your sins, to acknowledge your sin and what Jesus did and receive this living God into your life. Jesus said, everyone who received him, he gave power to become a child of God. Everyone who received him and believed. Is there any person here today, right at that place, wanting to receive Jesus? I'd love you just to raise your hand. Just raise your hand so I can see. Is there any person right at that place of making that decision? And God bless us. A couple of hands over here. Is there anyone else? Anyone else like to join them in making that decision? Anyone else? God bless. God bless. I'd like us all just to pray the sinner's prayer together. It's a prayer to receive Jesus. Let's make it be prayed that the poor we can pray. And those two that think of men up just over there, listen, close your eyes, everyone. Listen to this prayer. And make this prayer your words to God. God listens and He loves you. Does love. Follow me in this prayer. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for loving. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and to rise again. Today I turn from sin and every false God. I turn to you, the living God. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I ask you to forgive all my sins. I receive forgiveness. I receive your spirit into my heart. And I give you my life today. Before heaven and earth, I declare, Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord and my friend forever. Amen. Amen. Just before I finish for the moment, I wonder how many people today, as I was sharing, you've got a gripping issue, an area in your life, and you feel, Lord, today I need to face this thing and open my life to prayer. Would you raise your hand if that's you today? You may have got an issue and say, God, today you're speaking to me. God, let's things going on. Maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe it's a big problem for you, mostly in the family, a spiritual blockage or spiritual pressure. Maybe there's been uh, witchcraft, divination in the family. You've got these things you see and experience at night that torment you. Or maybe you've just got to think you've done and you know this is wrong and it's affected me and I can't seem to get free of it. Whatever it is, you say, Jesus, today I come forward and put this right. So just in a few moments, we'll give an opportunity for people to come forward, open their life for prayer ministry. Let's thank Mike for teaching on an aspect of the gospel that we need to hear. All right, we're going to uh, 